Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. And I'm uh, joined today by someone who's uh, been doing this for even more than 20 years. Five uh, years older. Yeah, we have five <laughs> years more uh, just, uh, well, as a CEO running a business. So yeah. uh, my guest uh, today is Janie Gonzalez. Uh, she's the CEO, founder of, of Webhead, and, uh, and I think probably the uh, most uh, consistent... Um, the original tech startup. The original tech startup in San Antonio. Yeah, in the downtown startup scene. Actually, you guys the have inner been, city. Yeah, you guys have been in this area for the, the whole time. The whole time. Yeah. So uh, we'll uh, let Jeannie introduce herself and tell uh, her story here with us. If you're going to be able to, to stay uh, listening to 1200 WAI, uh, that's great. If you're uh, going to have to hop out of your car or go on to somewhere else, uh, you can use the iHeart uh, Radio streaming app um, on your phone or in your web browser. Uh, you can also uh, check this program out. Uh, it'll go up on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com on Tuesday, December 17th. Uh, it'll also go up on the YouTube channel if you would love to see a still photo of Janie and I uh, having our conversation today. We don't record video in three years uh, on here. We've been asked a number of times, and uh, I'm not doing it. Uh, most of our <laughs> listeners go via radio or podcast, so uh, that extra level of work um, to do the video editing with multiple camera angles doesn't seem to pay off. I don't know, I don't know that I have a face for, uh, for YouTube. Uh, no. So <laughs> we have a smile for it. Yeah. Uh, with that. Uh, so uh, Webhead. So uh, tell me the, the, the little bit of your background and story. So um, you, you started Webhead 25 years ago now. Uh, so congratulations on, a, yeah, I mean, a quarter of a century. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, uh, it is. Yeah. So, so uh, were you born and raised here in San Antonio? Mm -hmm. I'm a border baby, uh, a daughter to a Mexican father and American mother. And so Laredo, Texas, no Laredo. But I was born here. I, by culture, went to and from two countries. And so I think that was a heavy influence in who I am today. But definitely raised here in San Antonio. Yeah. Okay, so back when, when you were in high school and I was in high school, uh, they, the computer classes they offered, if they had a computer class, was like Mavis Beach Beacon teaches typing, uh, but that was about it. So that's about it. Yeah, yeah pretty you, much. So we weren't studying computers in in K through twelve uh, back no. when we were doing stuff. So where did you get an interest in technology? Actually, college. But you know, in fairness, you know, it always helps when you date someone who's smarter than you. So I was dating someone who had a Commodore. Um, oh, there you go. Yeah, Commodore 64. That's right. Yeah. And so uh, my initial introduction was like, wow, what is that? But I think what was pretty cool was all the love notes I used to get with the dot matrix, you know, <laughs> these custom <laughs> things he used to do, which I thought was pretty fascinating. Yeah. So I was probably about a junior in high school when I was exposed to computers, but not necessarily as a career or something that I wanted to do. I just thought it was really fascinating. Yeah. And then so you went to, to college. Did you decide to major in something related to no, computer technology? No, I, I think part of it was, I would say, probably a good 75 for what San Antonio is today, which is low-income, Title I school and yeah. raised in a very Catholic, patriarchal society. And so, therefore, my destiny was to get married. Yeah. So after being accepted to college and my dad telling me no, I decided to do what I wanted to do, so I negotiated with the guy that I was dating who had a computer, and I said, hey, I'll marry you with the condition that I go to college. Yeah. And so sure enough, I gave my mom the diploma she wanted, and I gave my dad the wedding he wanted, and then I enrolled in college and started school one day, wow. and the rest is history. Yeah. So, uh, so did you decide to found Webhead straight out of college? I was in college. Actually, I was a uh, junior in college. Okay. So, so we'll go through this, this story. So you're, you're in school, and how did you decide to start a tech company? Because well, this is... is 
not a, a normal thing even still today. They talk about entrepreneurship today, but it, the rates are actually at the lowest they've ever been. Um, well, I, I think for me, um, it goes back even to when I was young. I mean, I knew what it was to be viewed as a specific statistics, you know, yeah. you know, and so I had a, always a deep desire to change the, you know, my current state. Right. And I think when you know that you're at a disposition in life, you, you're hungrier um, to change your life. And so you do it, in my case, was, well, get an education. I'm the first. Yeah. So I started with just that accomplishment of being the first to graduate from high school, then college, and then, oh, what else can I do to be the first? And I think when you're a first generation, you're driven by a lot of things, whether it's poverty, whether it's the way you're looked at because of your skin color or your gender. And so I think a lot of that naturally became one of my motivations to prove that I was more than just your typical statistic in San Antonio, which was low income, poor part of town, yeah. you know, female, get married. And even though I did some of the traditional things, I think that I learned, I think survival has a lot to do with it and wanting to just change the circumstances of your life. Yeah. So, so you're, you're in college now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so getting so my original career yeah. just to kind of jump in there was to be an academic career counselor. Yeah. I was very fortunate to start at Palo Alto college, which was one of the first, um, uh, Alamo Community Colleges on the South Side, which is where I grew up. And it was a college that was designed after fighting for many years, uh, primarily to serve that population. And it was really, there was a lot of bets that wouldn't survive. Yeah. And so I think that one is it's, it's thriving now, by the way, <laughs> the listeners. Yeah. yeah. So we, we had um, Mike Flores on. Yeah, Dr. Was, Mike Flores. Yeah. So in, in he when he was um, still, I guess, a president of Palo Alto. This yeah. is before he took over the whole um, uh, Alamo College. So if you want to learn more about Palo Alto College and all of the great programs over there now, check out our archives at uh, cybertalkradio.com and you can hear from Dr. Flores about all about Palo Alto College. Uh, Absolutely. So, yeah. And I think it helped being part of a community college that was, again, fighting to be at the table against many odds. And so that entrepreneur spirit was very part of what they instilled in students. And so I was fortunate to find a mentor and that mentor really uh, was the first person, the first female that I knew that was a feminist and that said it was okay for me to get, you know, get a degree, really validated what I was trying to accomplish. And so she helped a lot. And I think working at the college for seven years in student support services, I understood that a lot of, again, a lot of people like me were at a disposition and we needed a comprehensive support system and therefore Palo Alto College was providing that. And so what I did was, this is what I wanted to do. Of course, in the meantime, I did marry this very smart guy. And so he was an engineering major and then switched to computer science. And so one of his uh, first jobs, we were both working two to three jobs, was to work at the high performance computing lab at UTSA. And so that was my first exposure to uh, parallel computing. You know, the real cool stuff. Yeah. It was my first exposure to SunSpark, SunSpark stations and Unix, Linux. Got to and, go see a data center. And doing. Yeah, not just a computer hidden underneath a desk somewhere. Right. This yeah. was like some high-end stuff. And, and um, you know, I would meet him for lunch and we would, you know, we were working. And so I kept asking questions. But I think for me, the, the vision for WebHit really was when Netscape was like moving really, 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 really slow. And I asked, like, what is this? And he talked, he set up actually the first web server in San Antonio. And he goes, this is called the World Wide Web. And this is what this is about. And I said, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And so I didn't know how, but I said, this is what we're going to do. And I was a junior. And so I said, I, I really think that this is a future. And I was a sociology major. And so for me, from a social, 
you know, sociological perspective, I knew that this would change the way we live, work, and play. And for someone who was kind of wondering what I wanted to do with my life, I knew that I could merge my commitment to community and to transformation and being a change agent with technology. And that's really where WebPay really came from, is using technology to really transform our communities. And so that was really became my passion yeah. at age, I would say, at that time I was a junior, so it was before I graduated. Yeah. So is you're there, and, and so you start the business up. How do you go find your first customer? Well, um, well, I've never been shy. Yeah, so that's good. A, a lot it, of the yeah. So this is entrepreneurs <laughs> out there. Look, you you can't be too shy, and if you are, there's they, some things you can learn, like tips and tricks, or hire a, find a partner to partner with. Yeah, because you're going to get told no a lot. I actually I still get told, and I've been no, and I'm twenty been doing this for twenty five years. I, I think for us, um, it was easy to start it. And part of it was um, getting an internet connection, downloading Linux for free, you know, yeah. clean, you know, wiping a computer, setting up your own server, and you had a business out of your house. So our first office was actually out of our house on the South Side, District Five. Yeah. And so um, we got our clients because Bill was one of the few that could do in the old days. It was hardcore, none of these oh, widgets, yeah. none of these themes. It was true coding yeah. and so professors would approach us and then i was at a community college and the buzz was out and people would say hey do you know anybody that can do this and i say yeah absolutely any one of the best programmers in san antonio and you know my initial role was not necessarily that at ceo it was basically co-founder vision and sales uh, yeah. and having that vision to connect customers to the technology and making it easy for them to understand be the liaison right today we call them project managers right and so for me, it was just really easy. Someone, if I heard someone had a need, I would say we're the best, you know, organization. And initially it was freelancing. And then, I don't know if you remember this, but there was this big movement called the Internet Odyssey. And after... Yeah, <clears throat> I had not heard about this yeah. one, so let's yeah, uh, so dive this, in here a little there's bit. A, there's for a lot listeners. of stuff that we think are new, but they're not really new. No. Um, and so I think after freelancing and... and uh, Freelancing for a lot of early startups like Internet Advertisement and Global Skate, yeah. um, Express News, which was one of the first ISP providers. The more that we got momentum, the more it seemed like uh, we weren't being supported either to get VC funding or attention. Yeah. Uh, but we were definitely being used for creating a lot of custom apps at the time. I mean, we were very ahead of our game. Uh, we were doing eBay before it was eBay. We were doing streaming before it was cool. We were actually doing blogs before they were even called blogs. I mean, we were really doing state-of-the-art things. And so what we kept seeing was this resistance to really propel us to the forefront. And I think a lot of it was we were not your typical tech yeah. people. And I think it came no, from I mean, it, our location. I, I think if we had been on the other side of the tracks, things would have been very different. Yeah, you'd have so, been in Silicon Valley. I mean, it's it's still challenging for companies to raise funding in Texas. Uh, it is. Regardless of your background, just geographically. And it's even harder with your background. And like, it, I wish the world wouldn't be that way. But, but it it's, is. It's going to be that way. And until as long as if we're afraid to talk about it, it's going to stay that way. Yeah. So I, I so finally I got frustrated and I just told Bill, we're not going to do this behind the scenes thing anymore. So Internet Odyssey was this big conference back then. It was this idea that, again, the technology, the World Wide Web, that whole industry would change communities. Right. And so um, I decided that we were going to do our own thing. And so we bought T-shirts. 
I did grassroots, you know, marketing. I had a bunch of family. I issued out 50 t-shirts. I made them walk around with webhead t-shirts. I had no money, like, to have a big fancy booth. I remember back then, I had a big, thick binder and all our websites that we had developed. I would just flip pages. <laughs> yeah. And we were like, I remember a competitor just making fun of us and, and coming by and saying, ah, webhead, you know. You know, they made so much. I, I think the funny part was how much ridicule we got for our name and yet you look at the names today twitter you know yeah you look at snapchat and webhead back then was so unusual i used to get the ugliest remarks about it things like we'll hire you if you change your name or what were you thinking when you named the name webhead i mean it was just what did they want you to name the i, I was the, like the company I, you know website to us, design services inc or something i, I had no know. idea yeah. but Naming you know, is hard. So, so that was one of the first steps in us saying, I'm not going to just be behind the scenes, enough of this, and, and, and really staking my claim in that why not Webhead? Yeah. Why couldn't Webhead uh, be part of this internet revolution? And I was going to make sure that I let that. Yeah, it passes all of my naming tests. Uh, can people pronounce it? Can people spell it? Uh, does it look good on a T-shirt? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, all of those things. It passes all of those tests. Uh so everything was, else after that is just a And it, what was interesting was that most of the work we got in the early years was from Austin because they all like the name. Yeah. Go figure, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, we and I think part of any startup, you know, story um, is, is staying true to who you are. I think that oftentimes there's a lot of pressure to fit in. And I think I've always chosen to be who we are. I mean, it, it being different is good. You know, I, I don't think you know, it's always wise to kind of like blend in too much. I think always staying true to who you are and what you believe in is more important than anything. Yeah, yeah because if you do that, you'll enjoy going to work every day. Yeah, you will. And because it is work. I mean, I think ultimately, I, 25 years later, I probably may be smarter about things, but work just as hard as I did in 1994. I mean, it's 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 a discipline. Um it's commitment and it's focus and that hasn't changed in 25 years yeah and for for listeners out there um uh, another one i just want to circle back i was thinking on the palo alto college stuff so now you, you've got texas a&m san antonio down on that mm -hmm. side of town as well and um, it's doing some wonderful things big fan of dr cynthia Matson. yeah so if you if you um out there listeners look up the there's a, a three plus one program even mm -hmm. so you can go to the alamo colleges for three years um, and then you can finish your four-year degree at Texas A&M San Antonio um, with just one year of tuition at that level. So um, cost should not be an obstacle to getting an education if you Absolutely want one out there. Absolutely not. And, 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 and yeah. what I've done is this year specifically our annual fundraiser, uh, I think it was a total of $22,000. Uh, half of that went to Alamo College's uh, foundation and Palo Alto College specifically for STEM uh, scholarships and then the other went to Texas A&M and that's part of again my commitment to giving back to my roots. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio and uh, we're talking uh, San Antonio cybersecurity entrepreneurship uh, with Jeannie Gonzalez, the founder and now CEO of uh, Webhead. So you you were running the business out of your house while you're still finishing up school. So how did how did it go from in the house to a physical uh, location. Into, yeah, when did you all when did y'all open up your first your get your first office lease? We were able to attract a third partner, and then we were able to attract one of our biggest customers, which was HealthyPlace.com. Um, and so he got a lot of initial funding from local um, 
uh, well-established old school money, Alamo Heights money. Yeah. And so uh, with that money and then our third partner, his father had a small law firm on the west side in the corner of Buena Vista and Colorado Street. And so um, we had this tiny little space, probably a little smaller than this. And this was the size of Webhead. Yeah. So if you, if you want to see what she's <laughs> referencing, go check out our YouTube channel. You can see any of the, the photos of our recording studio. And, uh, and yeah, so a little bit smaller than the CyberTalk Radio studio. Yeah. And so it was a really small space. And um, we were the first ones on the west side uh, to get a T1. Actually, they specifically yeah. had to break, you know, the, the street, the hole in the wall, a hole in the street. And we were the first ones. I mean, I think that's just really cool. That's why it's hard for me to kind of, you know, kind of see that it's taken 25 years later for Henry Cisneros to, to now, you know, have launch pad that's going to start down the street when, when we yeah. were there 25 years ago and I wanted to stay there actually. Now, and yeah. So, so for, for, uh, listeners though, a, a T1 is a 1.544 <laughs> megabits. Um, so your, your cell phone, even if you have 2g, not even 3g, your 2g cell phone goes <laughs> faster than that circuit at this point. So <laughs> yeah. to, to go back and just a, yeah, a little bit of context on how things are, are going, um, and, and, um, for also, uh, as I'm thinking about this, yeah, the West side and some other areas in town are, are still struggling with keeping up with the pace and speed of infrastructure. So now, um, high speed internet is defined at 10 megabits or higher, right. um, up and down. And, uh, we just had Jordana Barton on from yeah. the, the, uh, Federal Reserve Bank of Dallas, San Antonio branch talking, uh, about, um, the research that she does on um, internet access and internet speeds and mm-hmm. availability and, and a third of the houses in our San Antonio area don't, even if you wanted to pay for it, they would have to do what you did. They'd have to really pay for it and get someone to trench things over there. And mm-hmm. most residents um, can't afford that. If you're a business, you can you can mm-hmm. put up the money to get that type of internet access. But until we, we fix that, folks, um, I mean, I think that uh, internet is as fundamental at this point as electricity and water. Um, if you don't have that, it just slows the whole, everyone in that household down, puts them at a disadvantage. I'll, I'll provide you specific stats. Um, I was at a Electrify. It was a conference. And so there was, there's a nonprofit out of Boston that said, if, if you had to choose between uh, losing your electricity or your data, what would you give up? People would give up food before they would give up their data. Oh, yeah. So just so you know that so they can keep the lights on, not eat, but keep their data connection, which is very interesting. Totally. So, yeah. Well, uh, I, so I worked for, for AT&T for a while during my career, and we knew from a creditworthiness perspective, people would pay their cell phone bill before they would pay their rent, before they would absolutely. make their car payment, everything else like that. That phone is the number one most important bill and the Internet access tied to it for, for many folks out there. Absolutely. So, I mean, in a nutshell, we all have full-time jobs and web hit full-time. And that was the beauty, again, of being able to operate in a, you know, 24-7 and, yeah. and being connected, right? And so that provided us a leg up to be able to have full-time jobs and that. And eventually, uh, we all took turns running web hit full-time. And yeah, you after- were doing bootstrapping before bootstrapping was cool. You, oh, had a, you had a side hustle before people called it a side hustle. I, absolutely. I've always have. And so I think eventually um, what I did was after my partners would work full-time, and what I noticed is that, they're a typical mechanic who get in love with the actual building something. Uh, they get enamored with what they're building and they forget that we're in business and time is money. Yeah. And so finally I got frustrated and I said, you know what? I'm going to take over full time and you guys are going to 
figure it out. And then once I did that, we grew like 240%, then 300, then 400%, and then 900%, and the rest is history. We got to the point where I could afford to hire them away from their full-time jobs. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, so you're, you're in that space over on the west side. So at this mm-hmm. point, if you've, you've grown that much for those many those many years, you're, you're bursting at the seams in that space. Yeah, actually, you... I was working out of my car while my staff was crammed up into the small space. As a matter of fact, I think it's my first staff was actually from Our Lady of the Lake. Yeah. Our Lady of the Lake had a lot of the early pioneers in computer science, which they don't get a lot of credit for. I remember uh, interviewing that's them. Our, with... That's our hidden secret over on the west side. Yeah, Our Lady of the Lake actually is a great university, and it's actually grown this year 35%. And so our original talent was from the west side. And and then uh, I remember interviewing them down the street in a famous restaurant called Estela's Mexican Restaurant. And we pretty much worked out of restaurants. I worked out of my car because we didn't fit in the space. And so after knowing that we had to move, because my big client was like, hey, I'm getting more funding, and I don't think my VC funders want to see us in this cramped space. Yeah. We need to move. And I said, sure. And so I begged, I literally begged a lot of nonprofits on the West Side because I, I was committed to my community and I wanted to stay there. No one had a vision for it. Yeah. So um, at that time, I ended up getting a microloan from Acción Texas, which is today's Lyft Fund, to, to cash flow the business. Um, that was the only funding I could get, which was a high interest, yeah. high interest microloan. Um, and so, um, and I'm grateful for them. I mean, I know I, I kind of am bitter about it, but then I'm also grateful for them because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for them. But it goes to, again, show how a lot of us have to take different steps. And, you know, not all of us have the luxury of low interest rates or family giving you money. You got to do what you got to do, right? So I had to go through this avenue, right? And so um, I happened to be at an event and Byron Miller I don't know if you know who Byron Miller is, but he's a big advocate on the east side and said, I know this great guy named Eugene. I don't know if you guys out there know Eugene from Alamo Beer. Yeah. He's trying to revitalize the east side, and he has his whole vision for warehouse space. And so I met Eugene. I provided my vision, and he's like, this is exactly what I want. And so we were on the Frederick side, in the Frederick building for 18 years on the east side. And again, 25 years later, look at what's happening yeah, next door to it's, it. It's, so I've always it's finally been a coming over. Yeah, TRTF <laughs> is, is building out the merchandise complex, and, and stuff is finally happening over there. But if you notice, I'm a trend center. Yeah. Now you have the west side with Launchpad coming up, yeah. and then now you have the east side with what's happening. So I've always had, again, a vision for where to be at the right time, at the right place. And Eugene was great. I mean, um, okay, now here's again history. So now we bring fiber into the building Woo. Yeah, fiber we over <laughs> on the east, fiber yeah, on to the, the east side, side. Huh? There yeah. you go. and so again let's let's uh so we worked out a deal where i yeah. provided and, and on the quote wrong side of the tracks again so yeah you, you, you so genie opened up on the west side on the one side of the train tracks over there and, and then, then skipped I go downtown the, and went to the other to side of the track sites yeah absolutely and so it was just, it was an exciting time. That was when really the internet took off, and you had a lot of startups, a lot of excitement, and and again, I looked to local community colleges for my workforce. St. Phillips had IT. Yeah. At the time, SAC was known for graphic design, and then we were still getting students from Ray to the Lake, and so I was always really strategic in recruiting and attracting minorities 
to the tech scene. And so, I mean, that was a good time. My original team stayed with me for about 10 years. You're listening to 1200 WAI. This is Cyber Talk Radio, uh, and I'm uh, joined this week by Gina Gonzalez, the founder and CEO of Webhead. We're um, getting ready to head into a news, traffic, and weather update here at the bottom of the hour. If you're going to be able to stay uh, with us uh, in your car or on the iHeartRadio streaming app, uh, thank you very much. If uh, you're going to need to hop out and want to catch the second half of the program on a podcast or replay, uh, that'll go up on our website, www.cybertalkradio.com, on Tuesday, December 17th. Uh, it'll also go out to uh, all the podcasting services across the internet. If you have a favorite podcasting service where you do not see CyberTalk Radio listed or it's hard to search or a description is messed up, um, reach out to us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, let us know. Uh, we will fix that and we will get you a CyberTalk Radio t-shirt. There are two ways to get CyberTalk Radio t-shirts. Uh, one is to appear on the show. The other is to find a podcasting service where our content is uh, not displayed properly. And I would love to say it's uh, technology is easy at this point, 25 years later, but it's not. It's still a mess. And services like podcast uh, and the RSS feeds and all the things that tie into that, uh, it's the messy plumbing of the internet, which is why Genie uh, and, and others uh, in that are, are still in the business. It's, I think it's going to be messy from now until the, the end of time. Uh, so we'll uh, wrap up uh, right after the break with her story of uh, kind of how she, she went from uh, over on the east side into buying her own building, uh, which they've been in now for six years? Yeah, Yeah, about six, six years, years now. So we'll, we'll wrap up the history and kind of story in the sure. time arc of Webhead right after this bottom of the hour break for a news, traffic, and weather update. Welcome back to Cyber Talk Radio, uh, where we've been talking about cybersecurity stuff here on Saturday nights now for a little bit more than three years. And if you uh, are just listening after that news, traffic, and weather update, uh, you can check out our website, www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, this week, I've got a, a guest on the program. Uh, most of the time, we have guests on the program. I've done a couple of monologues over the course of the three years, but... Uh, ideally, we get uh, on uh, entrepreneurs and leaders uh, from the San Antonio uh, community or folks that are happen to be because we've got a, a good amount of cybersecurity going on, uh, folks that are passing through town for speaking events or conferences or other things here, and, uh, and we sneak them into the studio and, and get them uh, on the program. This week, I'm pleased to be joined by Jeannie Gonzalez, who's the founder and CEO of Webhead. A few, uh, we've covered kind of the first I'm gonna say 15 or so years of the company mm-hmm. um, before the break and uh, talking through her background and how uh, she ended up in technology uh, 25 years ago, uh, really one of the uh, kind of original uh, tech startups here and, and has worked her way around town. So we had started on the, the west side, you had the office, moved over to the east side, and, and, uh, and then uh, as things evolved and, and changed and grew again, you guys uh, decided to uh, buy your own building now finally. Well, yeah. I th- after saving for 18 years, I kind of was forced to buy a building. Yeah. So there's a whole story behind that. So let's just say that the city decided um, that the current building I was in, they were going to have some plans. And so we were nicely asked to move on. Yeah. So my strategic plan was to buy a building two years later, but then I was uh, forced to buy it fairly quickly. So within six months, I had to find a place. Uh, and uh, I, sh- I sure did. And so we're in District 1 now. And so, again, uh, a common theme for WebHit is to stay near community colleges. So now we're right across from SAC. Yeah. So love it. Yeah. And you, yeah. So you bought that building and kind of uh, 
but the geekdom was just beginning mm-hmm. when you, you bought that building and kind of moved into now with the, the north end of this tech district that we have growing here Absolutely. in downtown. Um, because I consider that downtown. I ride a scooter. I, do too. I ride a scooter by there all the time. So yes, yes, and of course, one of my lovely tenants is Jimmy John. So yeah, continue uh, to support make all, Jimmy John. All your employees super happy. <laughs> Absolutely, they're great tenants to have. And again, it's a young guy who owns it, and uh, we're really good friends. And it's really neat to kind of see that that's another way for entrepreneurship. You know, you can buy a franchise, and there's nothing wrong with that. No, that's a uh, lots of uh, great businesses built out of uh, a franchise ownership, and it's where you run it and operate it properly. And this will like segue a little bit into uh, some of what we'll continue to talk about here, which sure. is um, over the the course of 25 years, you're not selling the same product today that you were selling 25 years ago with WebEd. The same general thing, you're solving technology problems for people. But... Yeah, that hasn't changed. I think after not getting VC funding for for a lot of the original product we developed, whether there were content management systems, whether there were email marketing tools, whether there were cyber tools, whether there were, you know, custom applications, a lot of a lot of custom stuff we built in the early learning management systems. We I had one of the early learning management system software as a service, as HEB used to be our, our client. I mean, we really tried. And after that, I, I you know, when I started seeing what was going to happen in the market and we started seeing the market get tight, I'd pivot into the um, DOD space. And actually, I was recruited specifically because I was one of the few that was doing software development, web development, and, and a little bit of cyber at yeah. the time. And so I was approached for by a very large DOD contractor and said, this is the future, we need you to pivot. And so I did, and that was really the key to scaling up. Once I started winning multi-year contracts, then it provided WebPay the opportunity to really scale throughout the United States. But being true to our core uh, entry, um, I made sure that we kept the commercial side because I still believe that the innovation comes and I've been able to balance what we do in commercial and introduce it into the federal sector, what I learned into it, learn in the federal sector, I introduce it into the commercial. And so I think part of being successful is also diversifying your customer base, but also still staying true to what you really do best. And what we've always done really best has been the HTTP. For businesses, I think there's a, a lot of folks out there that um, feel like trying to have a uh, government contract or serving government as a a customer requires a whole kind of reboot of your company. Like if you're going to do government stuff, you can't do commercial sector stuff. So for for our listeners, yeah. yeah. So yeah, walk through kind of how did you add? I mean, I had to learn, I had to learn a whole different type of um, compliance and, you know, different requirements, right? Like proposal writing was very different. I had gone from not having to write a proposal right, to having not to write these 30, 40, 50 page proposals to having to wait two years for something to be awarded. So that was different. So like with anything, like you have to surround yourself with people who already do it best. I've never been one to have to reinvent the wheel. It already exists. You just have to become a subject matter expert and understand it and then build a team around it. So I started diversifying my team. But the main thing that I did was whatever system I would bring in, whatever whatever process I would bring in, I would adapt it to either commercial or federal, but it was a flavor of both. I didn't reinvent anything. I just added. And what I've learned even today, I was just having a meeting. We have a specific a, spe- a specific credential in the cyber sector. And so what I'm finding is that things are coming full circle. Yeah. So what I do in commercial is now part of federal and what I've done in federal is not part of commercial. And I think more so now with cyber, 
it's 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 becoming more universal in how we have compliance and the measures that we take to protect our critical infrastructure and to protect our clients, right? It's now pretty much blended. Uh, the government and commercial are pretty much making some strategic decisions to have compliances in place that really are universal now. And I think a lot of it is just the industry has evolved to that. Yeah, and I, I think this um, this is some of uh, my view is that the uh, federal government is um, using their purchasing power. Um, so if you're going to contract with the federal government, if you're going to be a supplier to them, um, they're asking you as a supplier now uh, to uh, meet um, some cybersecurity requirements and data protection requirements, and mm-hmm. um, and that's a, that's a way that that federal government budget money can help us drive um, improvements on the security and compliance and uh, protection of consumer information on the the private sector side of things because without without a business reason to do. Um, certain things. Most folks don't put in the safety controls um, that cybersecurity requires. Absolutely. And and our entry and our success, uh, believe it or not, into the federal sector was internet internet operations. It was a specific application that we built um, that was helping. It was cyber intelligence. And so we basically, again, leveraged our commercial experience and we were able to compete against a very large DOD contractor because they had a proprietary system and we were using, you know, custom application development and uh, traditional tools. And we would build a solution that could be modified agile-wise versus having a proprietary system that would make it very difficult to compete against our bad actors. And so that became our entry point. And, and I think it's still one of our sweet spots in the DOD space. We do a lot of traditional software development engineering, and then we get to find these really cool clients and get to do some custom application development in the area of intelligence or um, data analytics or, um, you know, some other stuff. Yeah, no, and this, this is one uh, for listeners that are not familiar with um, the kind of the DOD world. Normally, uh, if you go back before all the computer stuff in the Department of Defense, they would um, put out a proposal for a platform, and that platform might be an airframe, so it might be the the F fourteen, and then they would, or in the Army, they would put out for a for a tank or some other artillery or whatever, and then over time on that platform, they evolve the munitions on the platform. So like an F fourteen from twenty years ago. Same airframe, same platform, but it's got totally different computer systems inside now, totally different missiles and things on it. And on the the cyber side of stuff, they're starting to figure out the same thing happens there, that they're putting platforms in place, and then they need companies like Webhead to be able to develop and design those munitions because you can't go through a a three- or five-year procurement cycle to design a new munition in the cyber world. The technology that was around five or seven years ago if you've found a, a, a way to use that, um, chances are it's gone or it's going to get patched or fixed. So the the cyber side, from a platform perspective, they have a system that you can load, quote, munitions and things onto from an offensive and defensive perspective. But those things have to be able to be developed custom and in real time. Absolutely. And so I, I guess whether it was in 1994 or you know, going into 2020, I mean, that still tends to be our sweet spot, coming up with a lot of cast of custom application development integration and then being able to, you know, train and then put the right person at the right place for maintenance and sustainment. Yeah. So uh, you uh, started the company back in 94. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is when, uh, for, for listeners that um, are <laughs> 
a little bit uh, in this generation where you, you're on the internet in the iPhone generation. Mm-hmm. You didn't live through an experience, the uh, the first, the internet dot bomb, the, the dot com boom that turned into a dot bomb. So back up uh, late 90s, um, if you look at the NASDAQ stock chart, you'll see that the NASDAQ went up to, I think, almost 5,000 or maybe even maybe it passed 5,000 back then. I forget now. Um, but this is uh, where uh, everyone thought that the, the internet was going to immediately take over the world. It's taken over the world now. It just took. 20 more years to happen. It did. Um, so, so you were running the company there and like everybody else, there was lots of money getting thrown around. Things were growing. Stuff was going great. And then, so what happened for to, to Webhead during that trough? So I guess it was probably March or April of two, the 2000 where mm. the stock stuff started kind of uh, crashing and imploding down into 2001 where I think at that point, everyone was like, oh, the Internet's over. This is never going to be a thing. And Well, I don't think I ever saw that it was never going to be a yeah, thing. Yeah, you didn't. But I think there were there were a lot of people walking around. Because well, I was living in the Bay Area during that yeah, time. Well, I remember when I first walked in with my business plan, I was told that the Internet was a trend, that it wasn't going to go anywhere. So I do remember that. No, I, I think it was it was tough. And, and I think that one of the smartest things that we did was that my initial client base were mom and pops. That even though we had some really big startups during that time, my bread and butter were, were small business. So you were getting paid by businesses that were profitable and making money. You weren't getting paid by cu- customers that only had venture capital. I mean, I did, but they were not all well, my. Yes. They weren't all of them. This is back on your diversification thing, right? Again. Yeah. I've always been. I've always been smart enough to have a contingency plan, and and I think because naturally I started with small business. Yeah. Um, you know. And then I diversified. I mean, during that time, I did print production. <laughs> I mean, I I did what I had to do, you know. But I think ultimately, yes, we had a handful of customers that did not pay us. And yes, I had debt. I think I had like $300,000 in debt. And then I didn't know how I was going to do it. And then I kind of, I think for me, what was the hardest thing was that I was so excited to be part of an industry that did not care, again, how I looked and my, my ethnicity and yeah. skin color. And then all of a sudden, when I looked at who were at the top of their game doing that awesome evolution, right, of the internet, the web, they were all men. And, you know, I was really disappointed and I kind of looked around and, you know, we had a really tough conversation. I mean, I still remember when my partners, they were like, you know, it wasn't you, you know, it was the internet, you know, and we, it was really hard to kind of swallow that. Maybe I didn't have what it took. Maybe Webhead didn't have what it takes. Maybe it was just being at the right time, at the right place, and it had to do some soul searching. And I basically said, I'm not going to give up. If you guys, you guys need to do what you got to do. And at that time, two of our partners went and got traditional jobs. And I stuck it out, and it took me about, God, five years to pay all my debt back. And I had to let go of staff. It was hard. I had my original team. But then, you know, I had advocates. I mean, I remember going to Eugene and saying, Eugene, I can't pay rent. Eugene was like, do what you can. I know you'll make it. And, and I paid him every penny back. And I think the moral to the story is that if you believe in something, you know, you can go claim bankruptcy. And there's no shame in that. But I chose, I was raised that you don't do those things. You know, your word is your word, your credibility. And since I knew I had to work harder for credibility, I made sure that I paid all my debt back. And, and I proved to people that I was worth taking out a loan, right, and paying yep. it back. Uh, I did right by all my suppliers. I did right by Eugene. And, you know... It's those things that motivated you when you're like really feeling like crap and you don't know if you can make it tomorrow. And yet you have people who are like, we'll make it work, Janie. And I did. And I think those few people that stood by me 
is the reason why I, I kept at it, you know, and I diversified. Luckily, at that time, I had decided to move into the um, space of the DOD. And, and, and even though I did not just survive that, I also had to survive the, the war. Yeah. <laughs> that was that. And then we recuperated. Yeah, that little 9 11 thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so when the market was down, the what really saved us was that the federal market kicked in. And, and that really helped pivot us. And I pretty much put commercial on life support. Even when it was unprofitable, I still kept it. Yeah. And I did a handful of good projects. And then I've always leveraged when one market is down, I leveraged the other market. Um, and it's happened historically. And so that's how I've survived, by leveraging both programs. So we have, uh, you know, Webhead Federal and we have Webhead Digital. And then, you know, I think that it helps to to diversify your client base and do what you got to do to stick around. Yeah, so you so you survived that the dot com explosion, yeah, uh, implosion, and and then so you're you're going through the growth starts coming back in the business, and then when so we got to this next one where the the housing market imploded and the rest of that did that impact your business in two thousand kind of eight time frame at all? No, actually, because federal kicked in. Yeah, so I, I had my dark ages literally during the dot-com fallout and the first war and then the second war really helped because DOD spending was really high and so I got to do some really cool projects during that time and that really really helped a lot my commercial suffered a lot and it got to the point where I, I think for 10 years I mainly did nothing but but DOD and then by the time I blinked Web 2.0 was here and there was a bunch of startups and a whole resurgence, a new generation of startups and new companies in San Antonio. But by then I had pretty much outlasted all the original yeah. uh, companies. I think by then now um, a good friend, um, now there were Denim Group, back then there were Rare Medium. So I kind of saw some people break out into other things because I was part of Satai, which was a San Antonio technology accelerator initiative. And now we have, you know, uh, tech block, right? So I've seen a, diff a lot of flavors and a lot of different things happen to promote, you know, startup, you know, scale ups, etc. So yeah. I've seen it all. I mean, that was one of our reasons for starting CyberTalk Radio three years ago is I wanted to try to get all of the um, cybersecurity CEOs and leaders from the area to come mm -hmm. downtown and see what's going on over here and to try to ask them to go back and, and have their employees um, consider joining tech block, going to an event, coming to right. different things and, and being part of a, a community. Cause while we're a, a big Metro, um, I think our, our strength is in working together and getting involved in things, running on um, internship programs for high school students because if we we don't do the things that you do which is getting out onto those um, junior colleges and universities and recruiting and running these things then um, we're going to keep losing all of our uh, great kids that are coming up out mm -hmm. to to other areas it's really easy to move to um, dallas or austin or, or houston um, one of the, the things we're blessed with in Texas is a strong statewide job market and st Absolutely. strong 1%, statewide opportunity. One percent unemployment rate. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and and if yeah, we don't we don't uh, let folks know about all the opportunities here uh, in San Antonio. They're gonna yeah. they're gonna go find out about opportunities other places because there's uh, yeah all the, the the big folks are all campus recruiting. Um, yeah, but you know what? I mean, we've I mean, sure. I mean, but I I think. When you have a niche, and I think our niche has always been leveraging first generation 
individuals. Yeah. Not everybody wants to work for a big company. I think you just have to be strategic about your brand is important and you naturally attract that employee. And so we've been very fortunate to attract great talent just by being who we are. Yeah. We're sought after to work for versus me chasing. I don't. I do very little chasing. Sometimes I have some really hard positions to fill, especially in the DoD space, um, when you have to have a certain you yeah. know clearance level. But for the most part, we've been very fortunate where people want to work for Webhead versus me fighting to convince them to work for us. Yeah, and I think credibility I mean, has a lot to do with that. Yeah, they well they know you're out there and like your your fundamentals, your principles. You've been consistent for all of these years, and and people want to be part of something that is a real thing and not just working someplace that they don't understand why the company exists or uh, what their founders really care about or any of the rest of that. And so, I mean, I think it, you've you've done 25 years of hard work to now make it easy in, in a way. Well, but I've also made a lot of mistakes with employees and partners. I mean, I'm not going to say it's all been pretty. It's been nasty at times and I have to own up to it. I don't, you know, I'm not the perfect boss. I've never been the perfect partner but I think anybody who knows me knows that I always try to do the right thing, even if it was like, wow, I should have known better. But, you know, yeah. I think reflection, growing, maturity, accepting responsibility is important when you're trying to do something. You know, I didn't have mentors. I couldn't go to my dad and say, hey, dad, what would you do? Or mom. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of prayers and we believe in you. But it wasn't like, oh, here's a strategic business plan. And here's what, you know, here's your technology plan, Janie. And this is what you got to do. There was none of that. Yeah. So a lot of it's been on the job training. And. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. And, you know, I've outsourced my, you know, don't outsource everything but your brilliance. You know, when I'm not good at something, I make sure I surround myself with people who are better than me. And, you know, when I've made mistakes, I try to recuperate and own it. Even when it hasn't been my fault, I've owned it. So as, as you look forward for the next 25 years, <laughs> what, is, what does that hold for Webhead? Wow. As I look forward, well, you know, it's it's a lot of different things. Because you got a big smile on your face. It's not like, <laughs> oh, I wish I could sell Webhead to somebody tomorrow so I could go off and retire and do something well, else. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, diver I've already diversified. I'm, I'm in real estate now. Yeah. I have several investments. I'm doing my first development project by Confluence Park. Obviously, there's there's Latina CEO yeah. that I do part-time. And then there's Inclusiva that I'm, I'm working on slowly. And, you know, obviously I have grown kids now. I have a son who's 28, Willem, and I have a son, Anakin, who's 21, and a son, Ethan, who's 23, and I got Billy Jane now, who's four, almost four. Um, you know, it would be nice to do something with, with the kids, but their kids are kind of doing their own thing. You know, I would love to be around 25 more years from now. Whether I'm running it or not, I do believe that Webbit has staying power to be around 25 years. Um, obviously, technology is changing faster, and the expectations are different. Uh, I've always been smart enough to pivot into what's needed and where we're going. You know, we're kind of in a transition period right now. I think with artificial intelligence and we're back to high computing, we're back to, you know, a different kind of era and how a digital influencer era. Yeah. And I think that that still needs to be played out. So depending how that plays out, you know, let's see what role we can play. I will definitely tell you that in the in the current space that we're in, there's a resurgence in what we do. And so I'm a little excited about that, you know? So I think that we'll definitely be around in some flavor, in, in some form or shape, whether Janie's running it or not. Yeah, the 16th Air Force uh, here now, so the, the DOD is going to be doing some cyber stuff in San Antonio They're for They're going to be doing while. some really cool stuff. But, yeah. I mean, obviously, um, I'll be traveling a lot more. Yeah. I think that where the money is at, unfortunately, I have to go chase it in the East Coast. And yeah. and I think that always the success to WebHit being in a coast-to-coast. -coast. We have staff in California, just like we have staff in the Beltway. 
Um, we have staff, you know, in Omaha, just like we have staff in Carolina. You know, I think being in multiple areas provides me the view of we can have several site locations that will strengthen our precision to, to be around 25 more years. Yeah. So sh- share for a, a little bit more for our listeners about the Latina CEO. Uh, how did how did you decide to, to get out there and kind of stand up for that movement? Well, and that start Latina it? CEO version, which I think is, again, interesting, was like, 15 years ago, it actually came out of their Frederick building. And I think it came out from the unique position of being one of the few Latinas, true Latinas. And when I say true Latinas, I mean like Mexican-American Latina, you know, Um, being one of the few CEOs. I mean, everywhere I went, I mean, I was usually the only female CEO. First, you were the only female in tech. And then you (laughs) were certainly the only minority female. Well, especially when I started the DOD environment, I remember it was pretty scary walking into some of these conferences and really being one of the few females in the Intel IT cyberspace. And and it was interesting. Um, I didn't know what I was. A half of the time, they didn't know I was Mexican-American, Hispanic. And so I think that came from the being alone, being one of few. And so the whole vision behind Latina CEO was teaching individuals how to create exceptional opportunities for themselves and, and being a minority and, and leveraging that and where being a minority is a competitive edge, not a disadvantage. And that's how I distinguished myself when I was the only one literally yeah. in the room. And so some of the things that I would do when we were sitting at a table, immediately I knew nine times out of 10 that the staff that would serve us would speak Spanish. So I would automatically just say gracias and I would get the best service ever. And then all my colleagues were like, oh my God, we're gonna sit next to you because look at look at the way you're being treated. Yeah. But I think that I learned to leverage being different and knowing that people would approach me, try to figure out who I was and what I was doing there. And so instead of being afraid of it, I embraced it. And that's really what I teach with Latina CEO, which is embrace who you are and be smart about the opportunities you create for yourself because they're not going to be handed to you. You have to make it happen. Thank you very much for joining us on Cyber Talk Radio. Yeah, and thank uh, you for all you do in the community. I know how hard you work also. Yeah, I know. I mean, we're, we're uh, just trying to do uh, our piece. And yes, for, for those uh, wondering, uh, we run an internship program at uh, my day job uh, with the San Antonio ISD and um, yeah, try to do other things around here to like Cyber Talk Radio to expose um, all of you in the community to the opportunities that exist here if you want to build a career and a life in San Antonio. If you uh, just turned on the radio right now, this is Cyber Talk Radio. Check our website out, www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, you can catch a replay of this uh, Tuesday, December 17th. It will go up if you're listening to us and you stuck with us all the way through the end of the podcast. Uh, please let us uh, know what you like and don't like about the program. Uh, we've got a submission form on the website, or you can uh, contact us at Facebook and Twitter, uh, both at Cyber Talk Radio. Thank you.